Have you lost the ability to play? Have you become like a super serious adult all stuck up there in your career or your business or achieving and you've actually forgotten what it feels like to be in flow, to release that inner childhood vision and dreams that you used to have and to literally have fun? This episode is going to hopefully make you laugh, make you giggle, and make you remember what you loved doing as a kid and how you can bring more of that into your everyday life. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, and this is the podcast for you. So Jeff Harry shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing, which sounds pretty awesome to me. He's worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day-to-day. He's also an international speaker. He's presented at some big-ass conferences showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. And in this episode, we talk about that even though we spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of that facade and just play that the real magic happens. In this episode, we talk about why play is so important, and especially now. We talk about how play can help you rediscover your purpose and what actually happens to your brain in a state of flow and play. I really loved how we dived into how play can help you unleash your creativity and put your inner critic on the back foot or actually minimize it completely. We also talk about one of my favorite topics, how learning how to play with your inner critic can help unleash your creativity. Also, how the heck do you deal with toxic people through play and what evidence is there that your business will thrive if you introduce more play and finally we top it off if you don't play what the heck happens so i hope you'll enjoy this episode and get a ton out of it and apply so much of it to your life and also embrace your inner child again let's go jeff harry so good to have you on the untapped podcast thanks so much for having me super excited me too. And if people were able to see this, which you can on the teaser video, um, he's wearing a fantastic bow tie, which I know is a big part of your work. Um, with, made with Lego and goodness, is it? Pretty cool. Yes. You've got a big grin on your face. So let's get ready to play. First off, I would just love to ask you, how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? Oh, so I love, this is why I reached out to you. I love the idea of being paid to be me, right? My friend Stephen Worley would always say that to me all the time. Don't you want to get paid to be you? And I think the best way in which to do that is when you tap into your flow. When you tap into that part, I define play as any joyful act where you're fully present in the moment, where you forget about time, where there is no purpose, there is no result. You are just fully embracing the moment and you're fully you 
And when you're in that flow state, that's when you have your biggest impact. And that's when you tap into a potential that you never thought was possible. I love that. So my next follow-up question out of curiosity is how do you get yourself in flow and how can the beautiful listeners of the Untapped podcast do this? Because I read a book a few years ago all about flow and I think it was becoming Superman or superhuman. And there was a whole piece in there about Chick Sent Me High and how you get into a state of flow for peak performing artists and athletes but I'd really love to know how we everyday humans can apply it in our life and our business and our careers so what's what you've discovered on how to do that yeah so let's break that down and I love that you referenced Dr. Chick said me hi as I'm going to talk about him later on it's so so hard to spell isn't it but I love the way in that book he said it's Chick sent me hi I was like okay I got it (laughs) so I think it's first the aspect of identifying what is your ikigai, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is your zone of genius? Or as Marcus Buckingham says, what is your red thread work? The work where you don't see it as work, right? And I think we have to first take a step back and ask ourselves, well, why don't I play enough? And I always like to do that because I think we have to come from a compassionate place. Whenever someone asks me why adults don't play enough, I tell them it's about of the reason why is because of 148,000 no's. <laughs> By the time you're 18, you will have heard the word no at least 148,000 times. Really? According to certain studies. Yeah. God, that's yes. so sad. It's so sad, right? Yeah. And then the amount of yeses you receive is between eight to 10,000, depending on how you were raised. Right. And then you go to school where you're told to raise your hand all the time. You're told to ask for permission. Then adults are always shooting on you all the time. You should do this. You should do that. Teachers are doing the same thing. Then you get to your teenage years where you're bombarded by social media. And we have to remember the amount of information we get in a day is the amount of information people got in a year in 1950. Right. Mm -hmm. So and all that information is telling you the same thing. You're not enough. You need to buy this product, you'd be enough. Or if you were more like this Instagram influencer, you'd be enough. So it's constantly telling you all this stuff that it's such a revolutionary, rebellious act to play because you're being told all the time when you're yourself that you're being too mischievous, you're being too much, you're being too weird, all these things, right? So for you to start your business, right? For you to start a podcast, for you to start a video is going against the grain. It's going to be like, forget all of that. Even though everyone's saying I shouldn't be me, I believe that I should be me. Nothing else is telling me that except for my inner soul. So yes, I am going to follow that. So I think we have to first start from that standpoint, right? Then I think we have to get to the point of like, okay, how do I play? How do I play now? My colleague, Lauren Yee, and I run a workshop called Your Future is Where Your Fun Is, where we ask people, and you can ask your listeners to explore what was the play you used to love to do as a kid? Oh, well, Lauren loved to play sardines. Why did she love to play it? Because <laughs> creative, it was collaborative, and it provided connection. So it's then worth it for us to be like, well, what is the type of work you do now that represents those play core values? Creativity, collaboration, connection. Oh, you know, building community. Oh, outreaching to clients. So like finding a way to find that work that you love most. And even if you're like, okay, what percentage do I currently do that? Oh, I do that 10% of my time. Can I increase that to 11 or 12%? Because studies show that that has a ripple effect 
on all your other work so that you can get through all of your other work. And then what I like to do is I like to positively prime my day. So I make a tech talk at the beginning of my day. I make a ridiculous video. I'm on TikTok and I put it on my Instagram and I just do it for myself. It has no ROI. It has no productive value, but I just do it for me. And because when I do it, it frames the rest of my day as play. So I make that TikTok and then I'm like, oh, what else is playful, right? And my friend Desiree always reminded me to ask myself, how can it get any better than this? Like that curious question of, oh, how can it get any better than this? And then I'm like, oh, I just made this TikTok. Oh, now I'm hopping on this podcast. Oh, how can it get any better than this? Oh, I was just <laughs> in this meeting where I was talking about like Lego and bringing diversity to it. Oh, how can it get any better than this? Now we're on a podcast together. Oh, this is so exciting. How can it get any better than this? And when you're stacking that, you know, throughout the day, that determines having a great day, a productive day, because you're seeing it as feeling grateful for doing this work instead of feeling like I have to do this work. Mm. I love that question. It's beautiful. It's a little similar to one that I love using, which is what magic awaits and really leaning into that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things there. Remind me, unless I seem to have forgotten my childhood, what sardines is as a game? So sardines is the reverse hide and seek. It's where one person hides and then everyone looks for that one person. And if you find that person, you hide there as well. And you pack in like a bunch of sardines. We can't do this during social distancing time, (laughs) but maybe we can do this after. But it's super fun and I've done it with adults and it's amazing. It is fun. Thank you for reminding me of that childhood memory. For me, I still love doing cartwheels and handstands. Not sure what that says about me, but I also love just getting lost in my own imagination and, and making up stories in my head, which I used to do as a kid a lot, like a really grand imagination and I have these whole stories and plots. And I guess that led pretty well into me blogging and writing and also interviewing people on podcasts and doing videos because it's the curiosity and asking questions and dreaming up and imagining things and what's possible. So I get that. That's cool. It's so cool. And imagine like, let's say you're in a writer's block one day, I challenge you or I ask, I implore you to do the experiment, do a couple of cartwheels and just see how you feel because (laughs) I've inner child with you will be like, oh, are we playing now? Oh, we're in the curious mode? Oh, this is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And then tying it back to positive psychology and what Dr. Csikszentmihalyi said, right? When you're in a state of flow, he broke out this flow chart, ironically enough, right? And in the flow chart, you know, it's when the difficulty of the task meets the skill level, right? The challenge is perfect for the skill level. So what happens is when the task is new. You don't have a lot of skill. You have a lot of anxiety. And when the task, you've done it so many times and you have a lot of skill, then that way you're bored. So between anxiety and boredom is that flow state, is that flow channel. And whatever we can do to get back into that state where you forget about time, where you feel you're doing your best work, that is where your inner child lies. And that's where all the curiosity and all the answers that you're looking for lie. Mm, and all lies in our childhood. Assuming that we had a great childhood or a good childhood, but I'm sure that even in some of the worst childhoods, which I don't want to go there, but that some people still played in a way that was good for them, right? And the reason why I say that is I always remember telling people to reclaim your inner childhood and reclaim your childhood-like dreams, a beautiful talk by Randy Pausch. And I remember one of my clients saying, well, I didn't have a good childhood. 
And I was like, ooh. It like really made me sit back for a minute and go, that's shitty. But within that childhood, there would have been something that you use either, it sounds terrible, as an escape or a way where you were able to play, where you were able to yeah, create your own reality of what you really wanted and that you probably leaned on that without even knowing. Has that been right. an experience you've had with clients or can you speak to that? Yes. Well, I, I will first responding to the point of when we run our Your Futures Where Your Fun Is and people say that, they're like, I didn't have a really good childhood. Then we ask, when was the last good memory of playing? Right. And that could be when they're in their teens. That could be when they were in their 20s. That could be any time. It's just, again, what is it when you've fallen in love with your work? And tying back into Randy Pausch, right, in the last lecture, if you think about what he did and what he said in his last lecture is even as a kid, his parents let him draw on the walls. His parents gave him the freedom to try out many things. He saw everything as an experiment. And I think what a lot of adults do, and I work with a lot of my clients on this, is adults get so fixated on a specific result and expectations of the thief of joy, right? So when 2020 came around and you had all these dreams of what 2020 was going to be, and then none of that happened, a lot of people held on to that. Mm. And because they held on to that, they weren't able to create the next best thing. And what I do in one of our workshops is we literally had people write down what they were disappointed about that they didn't get to do in 2020. And we had them fold it up into a paper airplane and let that go. Not forever, but just let it go for now because they need to let it go in order to, in these month and a half left, to create something awesome and to be able to be in that play-oriented experimental phase where you're open to all the possibilities that could be in front of you. Mm, yeah, I love that. So when was the last time you felt like you're in a place of play or you were playing? Because yeah, that's a really, really beautiful thing to be able to look back on and for us to not just look back on and reflect, but take ourselves back to that moment or snap to that moment in the present now. Shouldn't snap my fingers because that's what I do for my editors. Sorry. But yeah, just really going back into that place and going back to that place of how we felt in that moment, more importantly, yes. and being able to revisit that now, which I'm sure is, is something that you also teach, which is really cool. So when we do play as adults and children, how does that help us I guess, rediscover our purpose. We've talked a little bit about how it can get you in flow and it can get you back to right. doing the things you want, but how do we take that further and actually rediscover our purpose through play? Well, so a lot of times, and I've said this a lot, when I give advice, right, I'm always like, hey, this worked for me, this works for the people that I work with, but it may not work for you. But when I am actually giving advice, what I'm telling people a lot of times is, you already know this. It only resonates with you because you know it already. And you're like, oh, this person is just reminding me in a different way. So in many ways, when we're actually playing, what we're doing is we're getting back to that moment when we were kids and we were authentically ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So you say a lot about like, how do I get paid to be me? Well, I know a lot of people right now, I have a lot of clients, solopreneurs that are running their businesses exactly the same way in which they worked at a corporation mm -hmm. and they're not happy. And they're like, why is this not working? And it was like, because this is what you used to do over there, but how <laughs> do you want to work for you? Well, I don't know what that looks like. Well, how do you want to show up in the day? I don't know. How do you want to market? Well, I don't know. What type of marketing do you enjoy? 
Do you like sales in a certain way or you don't? Like, how do you want to adapt your QuickBooks? Like, how are you showing up in a way that feels right to you? And I think a lot of times we have forgotten that basic question. It's one of the easiest and hardest questions. Easiest in the sense of like, what do you want, right? And you're like, I should know what I want, but you don't. And the reason partly why, and this ties into like, okay, how do we get there? Is because we've been consuming so much information and so many people that are telling us this is the right way. This is the wrong way. You should do it this way. You should do it Brene Brown's way. No, Mel Robbins way. No, Tony Robbins way. All these people are giving you all this advice and you're like questioning, who am I? How do mm -hmm. I want to do this? And when I tell people, okay, how do we tap back into that inner curiosity, that inner child? My play mentor, Gwen Gordon, talks a lot about this. You can't play until you learn how to soothe yourself, how to calm yourself down. And you adopt that nurturing way from the person that took care of you the most. So if that person wasn't very good at nurturing, then it might be hard for you. So you have to explore, when have I been able to calm or soothe myself? Oh, I have my best ideas when I'm in the shower. I'll have my best ideas when I walk. I have my best ideas when I do morning pages and write three pages straight, right? So, okay, I first need to do that. I need to calm or soothe myself. Maybe it's meditation, however I want to do that. And then second that I challenge people, once you soothe or calm yourself, is get bored. Because remember when you were a kid, that's when you had your best ideas, when you were bored. Also, your most scary ideas or craziest ideas was when you were bored. What I mean by getting bored is stop binge watching Netflix for one to two hours. Stop looking at social media and comparing yourself to somebody else because also comparison is a thief of joy. And simply get quiet and then listen, like really listen to that inner whisper. And what bubbles up? And it's going to say something to you that you're like, what? What do you mean? Start that podcast. I don't, I don't know if I want to start a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what? Write a blog post? Reach out and email that person I've been scared to email for a month? What? And if you follow that curiosity, that whisper, and you hear the other whisper that says, you got this, you can do this, then you start to explore all these things that feel organic and powerful and you start to tap into you and learn again how I can be paid to be me. Mm. Oh, I like how you brought it back there. Beautiful. I love it. I love the examples as well. So thank you for sharing that. And you touched on there about that comparison is the thief of joy, which a lot of people know. And in my new book coming up, Suck It Up Princess, I talk both about nothing compares to you and also how to actually move past your inner critic. And I know for you that there's something that play can really teach us about our inner critic and help you unleash your creativity. So you might have touched on it a bit, but do you want to speak to that specifically? Because yeah, I think this is something that so many people struggle with. Yes. Yeah, so I run this workshop called Playing With Your Inner Critic. And mm -hmm. I learned the technique of naming your inner critic from my friend, Marsha Shondor, who has a great talk about this, mm -hmm. right? Called Taming the Beast. And... What I recommend you do is anytime you're feeling bad, like just really bad, your inner critic is here. It is now hanging out and it might be multiple inner critics, but they're all hanging out. And guess what? They've been saying mean things to you for probably like an hour or a couple hours, right? And remember first that the reason why these inner critics exist is they're located in the prefrontal cortex and it's mainly to protect you from all of the dangers of the caveman times, right? So they're there for a reason. 
So you're not there to destroy it or slay it or get rid of it. You just are there to recognize it. So when that, when you're feeling really bad, my first step is I recommend people write down what their inner critic is saying. So I'm feeling really bad. What's it saying right now? Oh, I'm always going to be broke. Oh, you know, I'm such an imposter. Oh, my business is never going to do well. Oh, I'll always be alone. Like just write all of it down, like get it out on paper or on your computer, however you want to do it. Right. And then as you're writing it down, start to think, what does this inner critic sound like? Is it Chad from high school? Is it someone that bullied me in third grade? Is it a combination of my parents and my teachers? Like, what does it sound like? And then also, what does my inner critic look like? Like, let's just start putting a face and a name and a sound to this inner critic. And finally, after you hear, you've wrote it down, you know what they look like, you know what they sound like, put a name on it. So mine is Gargamel. And every time Gargamel shows up, I'm like, oh, hi, Gargamel. And Gargamel's like, you're an imposter. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Or you're going to be broke forever. And I'm like, wait a minute, Gargamel. Well, if I look at my bank account, I'm doing pretty well. If I look at how many clients I have, I'm actually, it's doing awesome. So, but thank you, Gargamel. Thank you for raising this because I hear what you're saying. It's the 13-year-old me that you're trying to protect. But right now, I'm doing pretty good. So you can respond either directly to it or you can simply just be aware of it. And what sometimes what I do with my best friend, Dana, is I'll text her. And you can do this with your friend, your mastermind small business group, is, is you text them, hey, Gargamel just said this to me. And as soon as you write it out and look at it, on paper, you're like, wait a minute, that's not true. That's not true at all. Mm -hmm. Like what? That's has never been true, right? And then a doubling down of the inner critic that I've now implemented, this is something slightly new, is then you look again at the list of all the mean things that it's said to you and you flip them mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm always going to be broke. Instead, like, I'm going to be extremely successful. I'm never going to have enough clients. I have way too many clients. And you start looking at that. You flip all the sentences and you start repeating those to yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying that to yourself, not only then are you quieting Gargamel because you're saying, actually, that's not true. Look at all these things that are actually are true, but you're giving more power to your inner superhero, your inner cheerleader, that voice yes. that says, you got this. You have this. The one that says it to you right before you go on stage or right before you do an interview or that right before you opened up your business, that starts to show up more. And then that is when you're in such a powerful place. Mm, I love it. Is that Gargamel from the Smurfs? It is. Yes. Gargamel sucked the fun out yes. of everything. I love the Smurfs, by the way. This is so much fun, this interview, because it's reminding me of all that. We used to have a really awesome collection of Smurfs that we got over time, and we had the little huts and the wheelbarrows and, and everybody. I think we had a couple of Smurfettes as well because, you know, you collect them at the petrol station at the time. We played so many hours imagining the world with the Smurfs. It was awesome. And think about also what Gargamel represents, right? He's a lonely guy in a castle. Ah, you know, so he's, he's stealing these Smurfs, but really he just wants to have friends, right? And he doesn't have friends except for, I like, think his cat. So it's like befriending that inner critic and being like, thank you for showing up. I realize why you're showing up, but I don't need you right now. So I just need you to sit in the back seat because I don't need you driving the car anymore. Yeah. 
I love it. Yeah, and I love naming the inner critic, thanking it for its advice, and then I really appreciate your flipping all the advice it gives into the positive what's possible, right, Mm -hmm. what magic awaits. Same thing, I guess, applies with not only our inner critic, but then people who are critical of us, those toxic people who love to put us down, the shoulds you were talking about earlier. How do we use play to deal with them? Oh, so we dance I, around them. Do we yeah, throw so some this smirks is, at them? This is, and I'll here. I'll I'll go in this route, right? So my friend Gary and I, Ware and I created a workshop called "Dealing with A Holes at Work Through Play," <laughs> and we made it in January of 2019 just for fun. We were just like, this would be kind of cool, right? So we run it as a fun workshop at World Domination Summit, this awesome conference in Portland in May. And we're just like, yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, maybe we should apply to a bunch of really big conferences with it, thinking no one would say yes. No one's going to ever say yes because it has a-hole in the title. No one would say yes to that, right? And then all of a sudden he emails me one day and he's like, we got into inbound. And I'm like, what's an inbound? And he's like, it's the largest marketing conference in the world. And I was like, oh, great. Now we've got to figure out how to really make this workshop, right? So we ran this workshop in Boston and it gave us boldness to apply to everything, right? So right after that, we got into South by Southwest. Right before COVID hit, we were in Australia speaking at PauseFest doing this workshop. And we realized when we were running it, there were people that were laughing in the workshop, people that were crying. And ultimately what was happening were a lot of people felt alone. And finally they realized like, oh, I'm not alone. And and I say this a lot. Sherm did a study, that's our HR thing here, did a study in October of 2019 that found that $223 billion was being lost by Fortune 500 companies alone in the last five years, just due to toxic people. That's just only in the US, right? And that's only the companies that are willing to admit that they had a toxic person. Yeah. So just hearing these stories from all these other people, you found out you're like, oh, I left a job because I left a job I loved because of this one person. Oh, that makes me so frustrated. And now I know I'm not alone. So the ways in which we go through a four-step process of addressing this in our workshop. And the first part of it is each one is much more difficult than the other. But the first part is identifying that toxic person. And usually that toxic person is taking a lot of space in the room during a meeting, right? They're just occupying 80% of the meeting. So how do we take back that control? So I suggest that you work with your colleagues and you're like, hey, we have to get each other's back. So when Chad, we're going to use Chad as the a-hole, right? When Chad cuts you off, I'm going to be like, wait, Samantha was still speaking. You know, let's hear what Samantha has to say. And we do that for each other over the next three to six months. And we start setting a boundary in the meeting of occupying that space. Because this is going to take a longer period of time. This is not going to be quick at all, especially if that person is very a-hole-like, right? Second, then, the harder one is confronting Chad directly. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it by yourself, then do it with other people. And when you confront him, you don't attack the character of Chad. You talk about the behavior and the impact that it's actually having, right? So you go up to Chad and you're like, yo, Chad, so I don't know if this was your intent, but when you cut off Samantha in the meeting, she didn't feel like sharing anymore. And when she didn't feel like sharing, none of us felt like sharing. I don't know if that's your intent, but that's the impact that it's having. 
What do you think of that? And then maybe Chad doesn't know. A lot of a-holes actually don't know that they're that way. I work with a lot of engineers. They're just bad communicators. And you have Mm -hmm. to manage up in that case, right? But let's say Chad is just like, yeah, I don't care what Samantha thinks. I don't care what you think, blah, 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 right? That is when you need to be going up to the supervisor or if the supervisor is an a-hole, another supervisor. And you have to be talking about it from the impact standpoint of like, Because of how Chad is, right, regardless of the fact that he's a brilliant jerk, regardless of the fact that he's bringing (laughs) in all this income, because usually the Chads bring a ton of income in, right? Oh, Chad in the last year brought in half a million dollars of revenue. Chad also had four of our people quit. Do you know how much turnover is for each of our people? It's $150,000. So when you add it up, we're actually losing money by having Chad here. So we have to decide... Is this represent the missions of our organization? Does represent the values of our team? Because as Simon Sinek says, with the Navy SEALs, they never take the brilliant jerk, regardless of how athletic, how brave, all that stuff, because it destroys the team. Mm. You can't raise the team if you have a Chad there that's destroying it. And then finally, and I'm glad I talked about inner critic earlier, finally, you have to address your own inner a-hole, your own, because the reason why Chad triggers you is because part of you believes a part of that, right? Mm. But when you address your own inner critic and do that work, when Chad says something rude to you, you'll be like, Chad, that was super rude. Don't ever talk to me that way. Just don't. And once you set that boundary, everyone else is like, oh, look at that. <laughs> just stepped up to Chad. I'm going to step up to Chad if he steps up to Chad. Natalie and Jeff are now stepping up to Chad. And then Chad has a choice. He can't be an a-hole anymore. He can't bully people. And then he has he, the choice is either change my behavior so I can be at this company or I got to go. And Gary and I are all about eradicating a-holes from the workplace. So like <laughs> that is the work we do. And I guess that, that's such a beautiful example. I guess that also applies to clients who are a-holes or toxic oh, yeah. clients, right? Calling them on that and doing it in a way where, hey, when you say this, it impacts my team or my business. And, and of course, you can apply that to friends and family a little bit more delicately. But it's really, yeah, it really reminds me actually of one time when I was in a corporate job and there was a bully who was also toxic. And I finally got the courage one day. I was so frustrated and I was super scared but I finally called her on it and I just said you know what every single time I do these things you call me out on it as if it's never good enough I can't remember I just remember being so nervous that my my heart was beating but I stood up it was an open plan office and I I just talked to her directly as if I was you know a human to human this is how it makes me feel this is what you pause on and I'm not going to accept it anymore and I don't want to be treated like that anymore so you need to look at your actions right and then I sat down and I was like and she went red in the face she was mortified she was embarrassed she I honestly think she had no idea how rude she was being and wow. it turns out that she was an alcoholic dealing with all sorts of stuff. Yep. And that moment just triggered everything for her. I mean, it got a lot better after that, but I was right. the only person willing at that time to sort of be brave to say, you don't get to bully me. You don't get to bully anybody here. And it was one of those things where she simply didn't know how she was coming across. She was dealing with all sorts of her own stuff. And, which and we wouldn't have learned about had I not done that. So, Right. And the amazing thing that you did too, is you had that ripple effect of impact throughout the whole organization 
by stepping it up. I think a lot of times we think we're just doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for more people. And when we're running our Dealing with A-Holes workshop, what we have them do is actually practice having that hard conversation and getting reps in doing it. That's the play part is being able to like practice so that finally by the end of the workshop, you're like, wait a minute, I can have this conversation. It's not that hard because I think we always psych ourselves out. We never practice having hard conversations and we need to practice that more in order to build really strong teams. We really don't. I actually really like having hard conversations, but it wasn't always that way, usually because there's so much benefit off the back of it. So a couple more questions here. I know we could talk all day about this, but do you have examples and evidence from your clients and businesses you've worked with, with how play has really helped a business to thrive? Because I know a lot of my audience listening are freelancers or entrepreneurs, and I'm just curious about how they can bring more play into their everyday, even if it's just them or them and a small team or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I always first like to talk about like play and how corporations react to it. Because a lot of times corporations are like, ew, play. We don't have time for play. We have quarterly results. We got to miss this thing. You know, we have a lot of structured stuff we have to meet. Right. And I always respond with, but you like your staff to be in flow. Right. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We like that. Right. And then I tie it into what my play mentor, Kevin Carroll says a lot, which is the future is where the fun is. Whichever organizations are having the most fun are the most adaptable, are the most resilient. Look at the ones that are thriving during this time right now, right? You know, TikTok, it was, it's only been around three years ago, right? YouTube didn't exist 15 years ago. Google didn't exist 25 years ago, right? So we have to like be able to embrace the fact that we don't know what's coming next. There's this new normal that's going to be appearing. We're not going to be able to get back to normal. And whoever is willing to embrace that play-oriented mindset is going to th- thrive. I know people that have built businesses just in the last six months, just on TikTok alone. Have made them have claimed themselves to be experts simply by just putting themselves out there on TikTok. Same thing on LinkedIn. I know someone Shay Robottom that like a couple of years ago, no one knew who she was, and then all of a sudden she was posting consistent content that she loved to do just because it was super fun for her. And now she's like one of the biggest LinkedIn influencers around. That happened in a year to two years of her just exploring the thing that she loved that Mm. she loved to do. So how do we identify that for ourselves? Like I was currently working with a client who was like, one thing I love to do is I love to travel, but we can't travel right now. And I was like, how can we still travel? What is it that you love about traveling? She's like, I love to connect with people from all over the world. Well, how can we still do that? Oh, wait a minute. So she started joining all these travel groups and now she's connecting with more people than she ever thought possible that she is now going to be able to travel to their places later on. So she's already set that up. So when you're able to embrace that playful mindset and let go of the results just for a moment and just do something because it's fun and see where that takes you, you're going to be able to come up with some really cool ideas, right? And I think another thing that I recommend people do, well, there's two, but there's one where I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm struggling with this idea. I don't know how to work this idea. And I sometimes recommend the tipsy brainstorm, right? Or the tipsy storm. And the tipsy storm is you gather a bunch of your friends together and 
you get tipsy however you like to do that, whether that is a beverage, whether that's chocolate, whether that's ice cream, however you do it, and you brainstorm over Zoom and you go, look at I'm struggling with this one idea. Can you all help me? And as you're just playing with the idea and coming up with the craziest ideas, you write them all down, you do yes and, so no idea is a bad idea. And then after the end of the night, after you've had all this fun, you put this all on the board and you go to sleep. And the next day you wake up and you look at that list. And the thing that most resonates with you, you do that. And you ask your friends to help you with that. And sky's the limit as to what might happen from there. Because the way in which we market, the way in which we've done work in the past is not going to work in the future. Mm -hmm. And we need to embrace more of this play mindset to be able to thrive. I really, really love that. Thank you. It's a great idea. I've definitely had some good ideas with some champagne and more actually with just friends who have just thrown stuff out there, like absolute batshit crazy kind of ideas, and then one of them will land. So I'm a big fan of just going completely out of your normal day-to-day and just going wild, even if you think it's not possible, because you can always reverse engineer the how we're going to do it, but you need the idea in the first place or the new way of doing things to be able to even think about how it's possible. I love it. One final question for you, Jeff, this has been super fun, is what happens if we don't play? Do we become Gargamel? (laughs) It's actually interesting because Dr. Stuart Brown, the doctor of play, talks about the opposite of play is depression. When you can actually suffer from play deprivation, and when that happens, you become very rigid. And it actually affects not only your mental health, but your physical health. So you're not able to adapt, right? So I think sometimes we wonder, like, I I don't know how to play anymore. I remember working once with this lawyer that was like, I don't play at all. And then I go, okay, well, what do you do? What do you like to do? And she goes, well, I work with businesses and I get people that hate each other and I get them to agree. And I was like, oh, tell me more. And as she told me, she started to light up. And I was like, that's your play right? Mm. So what, another play experiment that I have a lot of my clients do is a lot of times you need a reminder of like who you are and how you actually do come alive, right? So I implore you to do this, either reach out to three to five of your clients or three to five of your closest friends and ask them these two questions. What value do I bring to your life? Because I think a lot of times we have forgotten what value we bring to people's life. And second is when have you seen me come most alive? Right. And another way to ask that is like, when have you seen me most playful, most present, most having fun, all that stuff. Right. So what value do I bring to your life? And when have you seen me come most alive? Right. And when you get the answers, you'll be fascinated with what comes up. And you'll be like, wow, I I did that. That's how I came up with the name Rediscover Your Play. People would be like, well, you helped me play a lot. And others would be like, oh, you helped me rediscover something I forgot I loved about myself. And then I was like, oh, Rediscover Your Play. And they're like, yes. That's it. Ah, that's totally it. So when you get all of those answers and all that love back, you're finally reminded, oh, this is what makes me come alive. And Howard Thurman says this all the time where his quote is, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. Mm -hmm. So that's the question of your listeners. How are you going to come alive? Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. What a great question to leave on and leave it just for now because I'm sure we'll be back to play more. So where is the best place for people to come and play with you and find out more about what you do? You want to see my silliness? Jeff Harry Plays is my media handle. Or you can come directly to my website, rediscoveryourplay.com. Simply click on the Let's Play button 
And we can have a conversation about tapping back into your inner child so you can do kick-ass work in the world and begin to show up. I love it. I want a big let's play button on my site. I'm just redesigning it right now, so maybe I can just have that on there for kicks and chips and deals. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. This has been a blast. Thanks so much for having me. I really hope you loved this episode and got a lot of enjoyment out of it. If you were able to see the video, which we will release snippets of around the social webs, Jeff's hands were waving the whole time and he was moving his head around, super, super active and just so enthusiastic and tons of energy. And I'm sure you picked up on that in this interview. So please go and support him. Check out his work at rediscoveryourplay.com. You can find him on Instagram at Jeff Harry Plays and also on Twitter at Jeff Harry Plays. So he's pretty much that all over the webs and uh, also on TikTok, which I am not on, uh, but maybe you can go join his daily fun, happiness, playful moments. Also, if you've really, really enjoyed this episode and you are wanting to know how to tap into your potential and get paid to be you, remember that I have an awesome free guide which shows you 10 ways to monetize yourself and get paid to be simply you. And you can grab that at nataliesisson.com forward slash impact. And I think you'll get a heap out of it. You'll find different ways that you can build revenue and income into your business or into your life simply by getting paid to be you. Thanks so much for listening. Have an amazing week ahead. And don't forget, it's your time to tap into your potential. <laughs>